Welcome back to the College Hoops Mania podcast. I'm your host, Wes Troyer, and I'm back with another episode today as I'm recording this on New Year's Day in the morning here at 9.19 a.m. I hope everyone is having a good New Year's, and obviously it's a huge day for college football today as we have the playoff today, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. Anyways, let's get right into this today, starting with Arizona's decision to self-impose a one-year postseason ban on themselves. So as many of you know, Arizona has violated NCAA rules and like with recruiting and stuff, the DeAndre Ayton thing. And so Arizona decided to self-impose a postseason ban on themselves. They are ne- they are eight and one right now. They just beat Washington last night by 27. Their only loss came close to Stanford, 78-75. And normally when schools do this, they they don't think they're really a tournament team. You know, like they do this because we're not very good this year and we already broke rules. So let's just get the punishment over now because it's. It works for us. We're not going to make the tournament anyway. Like Auburn did that earlier earlier this year. Auburn self-imposed a postseason ban. Auburn's not a bad team, but they're probably not a tournament team this year, so it kind of worked out for them to do it now. Anyways, I just want to talk about that. It's kind of a joke that the NCAA even allows this to happen to begin with. Teams should not be able to choose when their punishment occurs. Just because they are bad this year, or like they want it like it's the own team that they want to take the postseason ban now, it shouldn't matter what they want. They're the people, they're the team that broke the rules. Like, they shouldn't have a say in what goes on. And the NCAA, I mean, they they don't have to allow, like, they don't have to say, okay, your punishment is now lessened Arizona because you self-imposed postseason ban and are sitting out of the tournament this year. But they probably will. I mean, there's a reason why Arizona and Auburn are doing this because they think the NCAA will allow it and lessen the punishment or say no no more punishment at all because they chose to sit out of the postseason at their own will. In my opinion, postseason bans should just be getting rid of altogether. Like, if a team gets in trouble, recruiting violations, whatever it is, and the NCAA wants to punish them, it sh- the punishment should not be sitting out of the NCAA tournament, not being able to play in postseason play. Because there's a really high chance that the players on the team had nothing to do with what happened. And you're punishing, pe- you're punishing players that have nothing to do with the punishment and like what happened altogether. So I just think it's really wrong that postseason bans are even a thing to begin with. I personally think the punishment should be more, you know, scholarship-based, money-based. The school should be getting less scholarships to give for the upcoming years. They should have less money to work with. Not saying players that are now there don't get to play in a postseason and they had nothing to do with what happened. It's just not fair to the players. So I think that's a flaw that the NCAA has, something they need to change, and also if even if they do keep postseason bans as a form of punishment, they should never allow a team to choose when they get to have the postseason ban. That is ridiculous, and it definitely should not be at the school's uh, decision to choose when that happens. Okay, but getting past that, let's now dive into some notable results that we had from this past week so far. In my opinion, the biggest statement win of the whole week was Tennessee dominated Missouri and Columbia, 73-53. As I've said on a previous podcast, 
I think Tennessee is the third best team in the country behind Gonzaga 1, Baylor 2. And on Wednesday night, Tennessee really backed that up. Watching Tennessee, like, they are just, they are amazing defensively. They just suffocate you. Every guy on the floor stays in front of their guy, and if they don't, they play great help defense. I like that they're complete defensively because they're extremely athletic, they're long, they have the rim, they have a rim protector. Eve Pons does a great job of that, and he was amazing Wednesday night. He just alters shots. Like Even if he's not blocking them, he can impact the shot just by like contesting it because people are afraid of him. I mean, he's an elite shot blocker. The guy flies. But Tennessee defensively is just amazing. That is such an athletic team, and... They they get up in you. They get in the passing lanes and they just pressure you. They force they don't they they don't only just like don't let you score. They force turnovers. They just make you really uncomfortable. So Tennessee now is the number two defense on Ken Palm, and they have the number three number thirty three offense. I personally think that'd be higher because you got to remember Tennessee was on pause to start this season and they didn't play games start the year and other people are playing games. They returned from pause two days before their first game against Colorado. Against Colorado, they weren't too good offensively, but their defense is still their defense, and they won the game. Second game, kind of the same thing against Cincinnati. They looked kind of ugly on the offensive end. After that, the next five games, they have looked terrific on the offensive end. And if you take those two games away, they're they're probably a top 15 offense in the country, too. Like Their offenses looked really, really good, and it did on Wednesday night as well. They look efficient. They get open shots. They take good shots. They have shooters around the perimeter. They have Fulkerson inside. Fulkerson can play inside. He can play outside. Eve Pons does a really good job at screening for people and you know just getting to the right spots. Everybody plays team basketball on that team. There's no selfish players, and that's what's really that's what's really uh, nice about their offense. And then what's what's amazing about Tennessee is they have their starting lineup. All lefties, by the way. I'm sure that's the only team in Division One that has an all-lefty starting lineup. But then their bench, they bring two five-stars off the bench in two projected first-round picks. Keon Johnson's a projected lottery pick, arguably top 10 pick, depending where you look. Jaden Springer could be a lottery pick as well. You bring those two guys off the bench, Jaden Springer's been instant offense this year. He, he scored a ton of points at IMG, and he's doing the same thing at Tennessee. You bring him in the game, and he's just instant offense. Keon Johnson is really athletic. He scores... But he's also a terrific defender. He's he's an excellent defender, and he's extremely athletic, long. So Tennessee just has such a good bounce. They have a great they have a great bench. Their starting lineup is terrific. They have experienced seniors, Fulkerson and Pons. You have two five star freshmen, Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. You have Santiago Vescovi at point guard, who's done a lot better job this year taking care of the ball. Last year he started. He started playing in January, and he kind of struggled early. He was scoring, but he was turning the ball over at such a high rate. This year, he's really cut that down. So you have Viscovi being a much better point guard for them, and he shoots the ball excellently. Excellently, Victor Bailey has shot the ball excellently. They're a complete team, and I def- I think they're the third best team in the country. I think it definitely goes number one, Gonzaga, number two, Baylor, number three, Tennessee. I'm not really sure who's fourth. I think there's a drop-off after that. I know people really think there's a drop-off after Gonzaga and Baylor. Some people think there's a drop-off after Gonzaga. I think Tennessee's in that group. Like I've said many times, I just love the completeness of the team. I love the balance of experience and young talent, and that's why I think Tennessee is so good. And, yeah, I'd put them third in the country. 
I would, if I had to put a fourth team, I'd say it's Villanova, but I think there's a gap between the top three and Villanova. So yeah, statement win for Tennessee on Wednesday night. Another big result we saw this week was Northwestern lost their first Big Ten game. They're now 3-1 in the Big Ten. Iowa won 87-72. I watched a lot of this game, and I mean, I was excited to watch it. Northwestern's must-see television when they're 3-0 in the Big Ten. But from watching this game, I thought Northwestern did a great job on Garza, and they kind of they exploited Garza defensively at times. They put him in a lot of ball screens, and like even if they didn't get the switch on it to get uh, Garza on a smaller guard, what they did was kind of the ball screener who uh, a lot of times it was Pete Nance. Pete Nance is the ball screener because Garza was guarding him. They'd use Pete Nance on the ball screen, and they'd pop him off the ball screen, and they would uh, get the ball back to Nance on the pop, and they brought guards all the way to the three-point line, and they would make it so Pete Nance could take him off the dribble, and guards are really struggled to stay in front. That happened two times that I saw Pete Nance taking him off the bounce, and guards are really struggled to stay in front. It also happened with Ryan Young when Pete Nance was out of the game. They did the same thing with Ryan Young, and Luka Garza could not stay in front again. So I thought Northwestern did a really good job at showing how to attack Garza defensively. And not only that, like Garza obviously doesn't move the best and he struggles to stay in front of people, but that's also a good way to maybe see if you can pick up some fouls on Garza, see if you can get him in foul trouble early or something. So I thought Northwestern did a good job there. I think Pete Nance is probably one of the more underrated players in the country. I love the way he also defended Luka Garza in that game. Garza did break his uh, streak of 20-point games as he only scored... 18 points in that game I mean not only 18 it's still a lot of points but yeah he, they broke the streak for Garza he actually shot six for 14 from the field he got six of his points at the free throw line didn't make a three so honestly Northwestern did a really job good job on Garza the problem was the rest of the Iowa guards just shot so well from three Bohannon that was huge for Iowa Bohannon had a bounce back game going into that game he was shooting 27 percent from three he didn't play all last year due to injury, and the year before that, he was probably their best player, honestly. And this year, he's just really struggled shooting the ball. And against Northwestern, he shot 7-11 from the field and 6-9 for nine from three. And he was their leading scorer, actually, with 24 points. So that was huge for Iowa to get Bohannon back on track. 27% on th- 27% from three is just now what Jordan Bohannon is. He's a great shooter. And f- for them to get him going is something that would really help them because, I'm, I mean, honestly, the rest of the perimeter has shot it really well this year, just not Bohannon. So that was really encouraging to see for Iowa. Something else interesting to know about Iowa is they now are the number one offense on Ken Palm. They passed Gonzaga just by the slimmest of margins, but they are the number one offense in the country. That offense is just full of shooters on the perimeter, and you got Garza inside. It's honestly like everyone talks about Garza, and how he's the best player on the team, which he clearly is, and the national player of the year as of right now, but like that's just a dream, dream system and offense for Luka Garza to play in. You go four out, one in. I mean, he constantly has all the space in the world inside, and he does a great job of getting positioning deep inside to catch the ball. So, I mean, a combination of that, his ability to get deep touches, and Iowa to spread you out, because the truth is, like, you can try to double Gonzaga, or double, uh, sorry, double Luka Garza, but the minute you double him, you're leaving a shooter. And they will always have four shooters out there, so it makes it really, really difficult because, I mean, you can argue that doubling guards is the best thing, but then <laughs> Iowa can just, just murder you from the three-point line. So that offense is really, really tough to defend. 
However, that was still a big bounce back win for Iowa after they lost to Minnesota in overtime. So that was big for Iowa to get back on track because they looked really good in that game. Next up, I'm going to talk about North Carolina. North Carolina has major, major problems. They are now 5-4, and 0-2 in the ACC. They just lost to NC State and Georgia Tech. On Wednesday night, Roy Williams decided to start three new guys, actually. He started um, Andrew Playtech, Kerwin Walton, and Dayron Sharp. He benched Garrison Brooks, Leaky Black, and Caleb Love. And, it did, I mean, obviously it didn't end up in a W. It's just interesting that Roy is clearly getting sick of the production from some of his guys and is just trying new things. But looking at the problems for North Carolina, I mean, it's pretty clear. It doesn't take a genius to know what the problem is in North Carolina. They can't shoot the ball. I mean, it's it's clear. They just can't they just can't shoot the ball. They're so poor from 3. Obviously, like I said, Roy Bench, Caleb Love and Leaky Black. Those guys are both shooting 15% from 3. Like you you can't have that. And the way the way Roy Williams wants to play is always playing two traditional centers. He always has Brooks and Baycott out there or Sharp and Baycott, Sharp and Brooks. He also has the other freshman Walker Kessler. So he has four big guys, four centers that he plays. And he always has two of them on the floor at the same time. So there's really there's not a lot of spacing to begin with with the way Roy plays. I mean, he's he never he never shoots a lot of threes. He's always way down in the country on three points attempted. That's just that's the way he likes to play. He likes to pound it inside and get easy easy buckets with his big guys. And the way he likes to play just doesn't work with the perimeter he has right now. There is they have no spacing. Caleb Love and Leaky Black will often catch the ball at the three-point line and have plenty of daylight to shoot the ball. Like they're pretty open and they they just won't shoot. They have they have no belief in themselves and even if they're shooting bad from 3, they have to shoot the ball. Like you have to make the defense respect your three-point shot because it's obvious those guys can shoot the ball. They might not be excellent three-point shooters, but they're better than 15% from 3. Like come on. Uh, Roy Williams did start Kerwin Walton in that game. I think Kerwin Walton needs to start playing more in like heavy minutes, like 30 minutes a game for them. He's the only guy who shot the ball really well. He shot, he's shooting the ball 50% from three this this year. And he like he wasn't playing at the end of that game against Georgia Tech. He took him out at the end. I, I don't understand why. He's their only shooter on the team. Like R.J. Davis is a decent shooter. Playtech has shot it decently this year, although historically Playtech has not been a very good shooter. But they, they just need somebody to shoot the ball. Kerwin Walton is by far their best shooter. They need to play him heavy minutes. They need to continue to play R.J. Davis heavy minutes. It needs to be less minutes for Caleb Love and Leaky Black. They, they just need to start putting, like, try Puff Johnson. Like, he can shoot the ball. They, they just need to try new guys because you can't continue to put the same guys out there, and they just refuse to shoot the ball. Until North Carolina can make threes, this team is going to continue to struggle. It is so, they are so poor offensively right now. The big guys, like, because like I said, they play with two traditional centers. There's just no, there's just no room for them to operate down low. Because defenses are allowed to just play heavy and hard pack line on them and just sag in the lane the whole game. Because you can swing it up to Caleb Love at the top of the key and he has, and he's really open and he's just, he's not going to shoot the ball. Often you'll see Caleb Love shoot him early and if he misses him early, then you just won't see him shoot the rest of the game. It's something that you just can't have because, like, even if he's not confident shooting this three, you just have to make the defense respect the shot. 
and there's there's just no point to respect it right now. Like they can just sag in the lane, they can deny the big guys catches, and if they do get it to Brooks or Baycott, you better believe the guards are ready to dig as soon as the ball hits the floor. They just have no room to operate, and Carolina's offensive problems is really really bad right now. I think Carolina probably will make the NCAA tournament still, but the way their offense is playing, I I just don't know. Like, It's so hard for them to score, and their offense is just miserable to watch. I think they'll still be fine. Like, they still, They're still they a really good defensive team. They're super physical, but they just have to start shooting the ball. It's clear. It's just shooting for them. As soon as they make shots, their offense will improve so much, and they don't have to be a great shooting team. Like, just become better. Like, Caleb Love, instead of shooting 15% from three, shoot 30. Same with Leaky Black. Like, 30% is not that high of a mark. That's what they need from those guys. You need to make the defense respect the three-point line so that they can operate down low with their bigs. Okay, enough Carolina here. Let's move on to Houston. Is Houston legit? They just lost 65-64 to Tulsa, a game that nobody really expected to happen. Houston is now ranked fifth in the country. And they have the big win over Texas Tech where they dominated them earlier this year in Dickey's Arena. In my opinion, we don't need to necessarily overreact yet. Houston might not be a top five team. I wouldn't put them top five to begin with. I still think Houston is probably a top ten team. They're around the ten mark in my opinion. But I watched this game and... Like, you don't want to just blame it on bad shooting, but Houston really, really shot the ball poorly that night. And it it could just be one of those nights. I mean, even when it's one of those nights, you don't want to necessarily lose to Tulsa. Like, nothing against Tulsa, but obviously that's not a great basketball team. And the reason I think there's necessarily not a reason to overreact yet, like, Houston's a really solid team. They're still top 15 in both offense and defense on Ken Palm. I think Houston had way too much isolation down the stretch against Tulsa. They relied way too much on just one-on-one. But the thing is, like, Houston only scored 64 points against Tulsa, and that's unacceptable. But this team really should be great offensively. They are they play undersized. A lot of times they play with four guards. They start two forwards, but a lot of times they'll go. They'll bring Caleb Mills off the bench because he's been coming off the bench this year. And then they go with their four guards with Sasser, Grimes, Jero and Mills, and then play with one of their forwards the rest of the way. They don't have, they don't play a true center on the on the team, so they're they're really versatile. Like they they a lot of times play four out one in. They'll even have five out sometimes. They have all the spacing in the world for driving lanes. Houston should be really good offensively, and it just appeared that it was just a really bad shooting night for them. I still think Houston will easily win the American Conference. I don't expect for them to lose more than hmm I don't I think they'll probably finish with three losses in the conference, although I wouldn't be surprised if they just finish with two losses. I think they're significantly the best team in the conference. They actually play SMU on Sunday. In my opinion, SMU is the second best team in the American. So that'll be interesting. See, there's some other solid teams. Central Florida's showed to be pretty good. Memphis hasn't been as good as what people thought, but they're still a really athletic team, talented team. I think Houston will be fine. I, it just appeared that it was just a bad shooting night for them. They did rely too much on isolation, like I said before. 
it wasn't it wasn't defensive problems for them. It was on the offensive end. They they were missing open looks. I think Houston will be fine. No need to overreact there. Still a really good basketball team in Houston. Something else on Wednesday that I also want to talk about is how good is Cam Thomas? People talk about Jalen Suggs. They talk about Cade Cunningham all the time. Great freshman in college basketball. Cam Thomas, he is the best scoring freshman in college basketball, and it's not close. He had 32 points against Texas A&M Tuesday night. He's now averaging 24 points a game, three rebounds, and two assists a game. He's just an absolute scorer. And, I, I mean, I always thought he was underranked um, in the freshman class coming in. He was still a five-star, a low five-star. I thought he should have been ranked more closer to the top ten because he is just such a gifted scorer. He reminds me a lot of Buddy Heald, just like the way he gets his shot off so e- so easily, the way he uh, puts it on the floor and scores just pretty much by himself. Like He's just a pure scorer. He doesn't need help. He doesn't need a ball screen. Just give him the ball, and he can score, similar to what Buddy Heald does and what he did at Oklahoma. But if you look back, Cam Thomas went to Oak Hill, and his junior year, he played with Cole Anthony and Kofi Coburn, and you know who the leading scorer was on that Oak Hill team? It was Cam Thomas. It wasn't Cole Anthony. It wasn't Coburn. Cam Thomas is clearly an amazing scorer, and he makes LSU super dangerous. I think LSU and Arkansas are right there. I'm not sure who I think. Both of those teams are really dangerous. I like Arkansas a lot, too. Arkansas spreads you out. Connor Vanover is super interesting. 7'3", guy who shoots the ball excellently from three. But I think those two teams are fighting for the second spot in the SEC, in my opinion, behind Tennessee. I would currently give the nod to LSU. I think LSU is excellent. I love what Darius Stays brings to them. LSU kind of plays positionless basketball a lot of the times. Javante Smart's still really good. Um, Trenton Watford's been having another good year. I really, really like LSU. And Cam Thomas may be the freshman of the year like no one really talks about him we'll see it kind of depends what else he does as a team also because people talk about Jalen Suggs all the time because obviously Gonzaga is the best team in the country LSU really hasn't been brought under that light yet but they they could be they're a really dangerous team really good offensively Cam Thomas is super fun to watch I encourage all of you guys to watch Cam Thomas going forward because he is showtime and high entertainment to watch other notable results that we've seen over the past couple days since I recorded my last podcast, Rutgers beat Purdue 84-79, and this was really interesting because Rutgers played without Ron Harper, their best player, I mean one of the best players in the country, he's averaging 24 points a game, and they also played without Cliff, or excuse me, Cliff Omaruyi. so that was honestly a testament to really just showing how tough Rutgers is because, let's face it, anyone in the Big Ten this year is an accomplishment night to night. And when you do it without your best player and another starter, that just shows how tough you really are as a team. So Rutgers beating Purdue was just a huge win for them and shows a lot about what Rutgers is as a team. Another notable result, we saw Monday Michigan State just get absolutely murdered by 25 points to Minnesota. Michigan State's now 0-3 in the Big Ten. This is looking like a really poor defensive team one of the worst Izzo's had defensively at Michigan State right now they don't really have guys consistently scoring the ball night to night and now you see Michigan State's 0-3 in the Big Ten and it's not it's not a league you want to fall a hole in early I'll tell you that 
getting past that. Virginia looked really good. They beat Notre Dame 66-57 in South Bend. I think what made Virginia play a lot better is the play of Kihei Clark. Kihei Clark's kind of struggled this year. In the game on Wednesday, he kind of took over the game. He put the ball in his hands, and he was just excellent. He was super crafty. He shot the ball better, and as a result, Virginia looked really good. They need more consistent play out of Kihei Clark going forward. Last night, we saw Michigan improve to 8-0. They had a big run in the second half to win at Maryland. Um, Hunter Dickinson looks like one of the best freshmen in the country. He's averaging 17-9. and He scored 26 last night. You saw how Jawan Howard start Austin Davis start the year. Austin Davis got hurt. Hunter Dickinson started ever since. I think all of us knew that Hunter Dickinson was really the premier center and the feature center for Michigan going into the year, and he has proved to be one of the best freshmen in the country. Hunter Dickinson should be talked about more. He was a high four-star coming out of high school, and he's been excellent so far for Michigan this year. Clemson beat Florida State on Wednesday night, 77-67. Clemson is one of the best defensive teams in the country. They're now three on Ken Palm and defensive efficiency. They're one of the best, or probably one of the biggest surprises in college basketball this year, and there's no doubt that they can win the ACC and will compete for an ACC championship this year. Part of that is the ACC is just really, it's a scramble in that league. There's not really any great teams, and there's quite a few just solid teams and Clemson will be right there at the top. The best defense in the ACC. Better than Virginia this year, probably. Something else that is really cool to see, Seth Towns came back for Ohio State recently. He's a transfer from Harvard. He battled injury for so long, didn't play basketball for a long time. And in the past two games, Seth Towns has scored double digits in both of those games, scoring 11 points in each. Ohio State's looked good, and having if Seth Towns becomes a, a reliable option for them, that's huge for Ohio State as he used to be, and can still can and still can be a great player. So that was awesome to see for a guy who battled injury for such a long time. Okay, time for the end of the podcast and picking games per usual, as I always do at the end of the podcast. I'll pick five games, five weekend games for you guys, and the first one I'm going to pick is Texas at Kansas, top ten matchup. In Lawrence, Saturday at noon. I think Texas is an excellent team, and I think Kansas is a bit overrated. Three, I still think Kansas is a top 10 team in the country, probably a little higher than that still. But Kansas being at home, I will pick Kansas in the game. You saw them, Kansas looked amazing in the West Virginia game, shooting the ball a lot better. If Kansas can shoot the ball like that, Jalen Wilson shooting the ball really good from three, Christian Brown continuing to score in the ball, I think that's key for Kansas. And them being at home also helps. They do have some fans in there. I'll pick Kansas to beat Texas. Next up, Saturday, 2 o'clock, Virginia, at Virgi- Virginia Tech at Virginia. Battle of Virginia's rivalry game for them. There will be no fans there at Virginia. However, I will still have to pick Virginia. Virginia Tech um, is a bit... They're a bit inconsistent offensively. They rely a lot on the three-point shot. I think Virginia defensively will really make Virginia Tech struggle and you saw Kihei Clark look a lot better on Wednesday I think he'll continue off that build confidence off of that game I like Virginia to win at home against Virginia Tech on Saturday another Saturday two o'clock tip Iowa at Rutgers huge Big Ten matchup I expect Ron Harper to be back in this game and for that reason I'll pick Rutgers if Harper doesn't play in this game I do think Iowa win but having Harper back's Huge for Rutgers as he is their best player. 
And I just really like Rutgers' balance on both ends of the floor. They're a more complete team than Iowa. Obviously, they're, they don't have the offensive firepower that Iowa has. But Rutgers doesn't lose at home a lot, and I don't think they will Saturday. I like Rutgers in this game. Next up, Saturday night, 8 o'clock, we have Duke at Florida State, a big game in the ACC. Duke has not played since December 16th, so it's been a really long time for Duke, where they looked really good playing Notre Dame. They looked like a better team. They kind of established themselves as playing slower in that game. They ended up shooting the ball from three a lot better. We'll see if they continue to play that way. Florida State, for me, has been a little bit disappointing. I thought Scotty Barnes would be a little bit better. He's still really exciting, six foot nine point guard but I thought he'd be a little bit better scoring the ball. Florida State's been inconsistent scoring the ball this year. However, I do think Florida State will win this game. They put some fans there in Tallahassee. I think Scotty Barnes will, he's kind of a guy that you see turning up for the big games. I think Scotty Barnes will turn up for this game. Florida State doesn't lose at home a lot. And I really like Florida State going into this year because all the mismatches that they provide for teams are really they're really a nightmare to game to game plan for because it, there's a really high chance they're bigger than you. They're really big, and I like Florida State in this game. The last game I'll be picking is a Sunday game, Houston at SMU, arguably the best two teams in the American Conference. Houston just came off the one-point loss to Tulsa. SMU hasn't lost this year yet. I like Houston in this game. Houston is the best team in the American. Like I said earlier, I, I still firmly believe that despite the Tulsa loss. I don't think anyone will really compete for an American championship with those guys. So yeah, I like Houston in this game due to the guards and the firepower that they bring. Kendrick Davis is really good for SMU, though. He's a guy to watch for SMU. With that being said, that'll be the conclusion of this podcast. I appreciate you guys listening to my podcast. If you guys listen to it in Apple Podcasts, if you wouldn't mind giving it a five-star rating and a Give it a review if you if you wouldn't mind. It just helps more people to see the podcast as I'm trying to expose this more to the public. But again, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys all have an excellent weekend. Should be a fun weekend of college basketball. And Friday night we have the college football playoff. So that's exciting. Notre Dame, Alabama, and Ohio State, Clemson. So those games will be exciting to watch. But I hope you guys have good weekend like I said and I'll see you guys during my next podcast see ya